Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Uh, this message is called Christ in You. Give it up for the podcast listeners. Yeah, we got people from Italy and Barcelona and America and England and Australia listening to our podcast. They give us actually the, the reading of, I don't know who these people are, but they're starved for affection. Christ in You, the hope of glory. I hope you got your Bibles tonight. don't want to be too long and... What a powerful morning it was this morning. It was fantastic. The, um, the title is Christ in You, the Hope of Glory. We're going to have a look at Colossians. And uh, just pray that you get your Bible out. And we'll have a look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to 29. And we'll uh, get some goodies out of that. Some powerful truths that I wish I understood way early than I should, way earlier than I should. So um, we're going to look at five verses uh, in Colossians 124 to 29. If, when we get through that, and it's not going to take long, I hope to give some prophetic um, news that I, I subscribe to some prophetic stuff, and we might, I might be able to, to share some of that stuff with you, but we should finish on time. Amen? So it is an awesome, it is an awesome passage. Uh, the key thought in the passage is, of course, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Whatever that means. Well... Let, let's, let's investigate and uh, ask ourselves some, some questions. Let's get the mind thinking. Let's get the conscience pricked. And uh, let's, let's get some understanding what certainly what this church is about, because it certainly is about Emmanuel, God with us, but God in us. You know, we're like Mary now. We're pregnant with Jesus. When you got saved, you were given deposit of the Holy Spirit. I'll tease that out in the morning. But PowerPoint, let's go through some of these points. Do you believe that Christ is in you? Is that coming up, folks? Good. Well done, AV team. Give it up for them. They're quick off the mark tonight. It is simply, hang on, is it simply a mental belief or does it impact your life that Christ is in you, that is? Next, in what ways does it affect your life that Christ is in you? I'm asking you questions, by the way. Have a think about these questions I'm asking you. Next, if you believe that Christ is in you, when was the last time you thanked God for that? Thanking God is faith. It's a simple thing, but anyway. Why do you think Jesus Christ would want to dwell in us? Good question. Next, what should our response be to God? Mm. Okay, so that's enough questions. Uh, let's look at the passage in Colossians 1.24. Recommend reading this. Take it home, read it, but let's go, let's read it. Uh, in its entirety, from 124 to 129. Now I rejoice in what I am... So this is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. He's languishing in jail. He's, this is, he's writing the book of Colossians, and he starts off like this. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. So he's talking about his suffering. He's talking about the suffering of Christ. And he's saying, look, I'm overjoyed to be actually 
doing the hard yards like Christ did. I'm actually overjoyed to be actually in the same boat as, as him. Uh, trying to get the gospel out, the opposition, the persecution. Actually, I, I'm rejoicing in that. It's, you know, it's amazing stuff. Uh, Colossians 1.25, it's a bit about missionaries. You know, missionaries got this, anyway, they, they like to go out and go into these hard areas. And um, another guy was killed, unfortunately, by, you know, ISIS or whatever, journalists and another South African guy, both. The Americans tried to go in, didn't they, just yesterday and pray for their families and, you know, couldn't quite do it. The militant shot, the terrorist shot, the two well-doing missionary type people doing good works, just doing good works, but they were captured, held to ransom, and uh, not a great thing. Colossians 1.25, I've become its servant. You know, one of the greatest things, this is all pregnant with great stuff, but one of the greatest things you can understand is that being a servant for God, a servant for the church, a servant for Christ, is a mighty magnificent thing to subscribe to. I have, 25 again, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, that's us. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that's the unsaved, the glorious riches of this mystery, this mystery that Christ is in us, Christ is actually here, he's on the planet. The greatest person on the planet, by the way, right now is the Holy Spirit. And uh, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing, teaching, everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Colossians 1.29, last verse. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So I want to talk about, man, this is a great slab of scripture here. So we're going to talk about the energy that's in us. We're going to talk about maybe suffering for Jesus. Uh, let's talk about that. Paul's obviously the author of the book of Colossians. And he started off, as I said, in rejoicing in his suffering. Suffering. Uh, why is he suffering? Because he's trying to get the gospel out there, and, uh, and it's tough. He's getting persecuted, he's getting flogged, he's getting stoned, he's getting persecuted. It's not, and so, you know, you people are at school, you're in the marketplace, you become a Christian, you get some, you know, weird vibes from people, and, you know, people saying things to you, and you know, having snipes at you, having, having, you know, a bit of mockery, whatever. That's nothing compared to what Paul went through. And so he wrote Colossians, he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, and Colossians were written during the time of imprisonment in Rome. Um, this is why Paul is living, walking example of what he is declaring to the Colossians. The Christ in us is the hope of glory. So he's learning through his persecutions, through his difficulties, that Jesus was all he needed. And that Christ's strength was made perfect in his weakness. And so it's not probably the best thing for you to live your life. The Bible says it's actually not the, probably the best development program of your life to live, live on easy street, to live in the comfort, to live in the comfort of life where you're never, you know, never going through the storms, you're never going through stuff that challenges you because you'll never grow. It's like trying to protect your children. They've worked out now by keeping your kids at home, locked down in cotton wool. When they do venture out, they're getting germs and they're coughing and sneezing because they're not used to the environment that they're going out to, amen? So let your kids play, my goodness. Let them get used to the environment. Let them fall over at times. It's good for them. If you keep them trying to, you know, that's why single mums are great, but they 
you know, they're a bit nurturing and maybe a little bit too careful. And, and that's why we need the dads and to, to get those boys and girls to be able to venture out, climb a tree, whatever. Amen? Anyway, that's my little pet thing. Don't keep your kids in cotton wool. Um, awesome. The Word of God in its fullness. What does that mean in verse 25? If I said to you, what do you think is the most important message that Christians need to hear? What would you answer? Think about it. Or put it another way. What is the Word of God in all its fullness? Let's check this out. For Paul, the Word of God in all its fullness was encapsulated in the teaching that Christ was in us, that He was the hope of glory. This was the most powerful thing that he could extrapolate from his revelation that Christ in the New Testament, when Christ came and died on the cross, that he released his spirit for the believer to take into their life and to be filled of God, that you are actually like Mary, pregnant with God, that you have a deposit of the Holy Spirit, amen? In verse 26, this teaching is called the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. Isn't this great news that we know this? Are you feeling so privileged that you're in the house, knowing that you can have God on the inside of your life? Or, or you just go, oh, that's all right. Yeah, I've got God in there somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, you know, he's in there somewhere, I guess. No, no, he's in your heart. Come on, guys. He's in your heart. He's beating. He's, he's wanting to have expression. Paul also called the 27, the verse 27, glorious riches of this mystery which God has chosen to make known. Romans 8, 11. I've got to read that scripture because that pertains to what I'm trying to say. Romans 8, 11. See if the AV team can beat me to it. Romans 8, 11. If they get it up, tell me. Romans 8, 11. Awesome. Beat you guys. Oh, damn it. I nearly had it. I was there. I just had to turn over the page. Romans 8, 11. I nearly had you guys. And if, uh, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is, hang on, living in you. So if you're a believer, now listen, if you're a believer, I don't care if you're doing hard yards. I don't care if you have off days. I don't care if you don't really read your Bible. I don't care if you, yeah, I do, hang on, I do, but I'm making an argument here. I don't care if you're not turning up at the prayer meetings. I don't care if you don't come to two services a Sunday. I don't care if you don't give your tithes. And I do care, I do care, I do care, I do care. But I'm saying it doesn't disqualify you that Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Get used to it, guys. The hope of glory is in you. I'm not playing this game. No, sorry. When you said yes to Jesus, you invited him in. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And I could say that another way in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. And I could say it again in 1 John 5, 11 to 12. But for a matter of time, I'll let you do that. It may have been something that was kept hidden for ages past, but it is now something that God has revealed and wants to reveal so much. He is about revealing this powerful, powerful mystery, this powerful truth that, you know, it's not a secret anymore. God has come, Jesus has come, He's made a way, and His Spirit is available. This mystery, the riches of this mystery revealed, it's available. Let's give it up for the Lord that He's made that available. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I asked you at the start, who believes that Christ is in them? And when was the last time you thanked God for his presence in you? 
you know, it's an easy thing. It's very simple. Let's keep it simple. If you really do believe it, just thank him. Just thank him. It's as simple as that. It's a powerful thing. You don't have to, you know, really try and be profound back to God, but you can just say, thank you, God. It's not complicated. It's simple. Just say, thank you, God. I find myself in the last couple of years, mainly two, three years, I'm saying thank you, God, more than ever before. Because thank you, you enter the gates with praise. His courts with thanksgiving. And I want to be in his courts. I want to be in his presence. I want to come out of the world and I want to come into the presence of the living God. Enter his courts with praise. His gates of thanksgiving. I could have said that back to front, but you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Please have mercy on me tonight. Jesus Christ has given you himself because you do not have what it takes to live the Christian life. Why is God inside of you? Because in the Old Testament, they just, were, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't live the unblemished life. They couldn't live the holy life entirely. There's one priest would go into the holy of holies, and sometimes those guys would get killed. They'd put a rope around them, some bells on their you know, tunic, and they'd walk in. Now, if they had some sin in, in their life, if they'd been doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing, and the bells would stop, they'd pull them back out. There's only one guy who could go into the holy holies. They would listen. They would keep listening. The bells, the bells, the bells. Oh, God, the bells have stopped. Oh, no. And, he, and there's not enough rope that's gone out. He didn't make it. Pull him back. Pull him back. Pull him. Next. Next. Who's willing to go? Anyone? Anyone willing to go? <laughs> who's, who's C3? Anyone willing to go in to the... Holy of holies? Well, you can now. You actually can. Christ made a way for you. Amen? It's not like that. It's not as brutal as that anymore. The other important point that we should be, should be made concerns the phrase, the hope of glory. So I made a point about Christ in you. This is, an, this is about the next, next phrase of what I'm saying. It is this, the hope of glory. What is the hope of glory? Let's have a look at that. PowerPoint. Thank you. Let's just check. Let's, I'm just asking some questions tonight. A little bit of a study, really. PowerPoint, is it up there? Okay, so I'm asking you the question. It's a multi-choice. Don't be shy. Is it the hope of shining brightly? Is having Christ in you the hope of glory? Is it this? The hope of shining brightly? Two. The hope of being with the Lord in heaven? Three. The hope of displaying the nature, displaying the nature and character of God? D. The hope of being praised and thought of something great. Who picked D? Who picked C? Well done. C is the correct answer. As all of us are fallen creation, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You need Christ on the inside of you. You need his character. You need his nature. That is the hope of the glory within you. Amen? That is. No, you, your glory is not going to do it. You're not going to be able to appease God and his glory. You've you got to need Christ. In ourselves, in our own strength, we will continue to fall short of God's glory. But through dependence upon Christ, because he dwells in us, we can now break free from the bondage of sin and failure. Are you loving this stuff? So what's our response again? It's simple. Say thank you right now. Let's keep it simple. Let's just say thank you. We all face challenges, you know, but we can just say thank you. Let's have a look at the example of the life of Moses. We're doing quite well, actually. Let's look at the example of the life of Moses, which combines God's presence, our inadequacy, and the glory of God. Let's check that out. Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, 
you have been telling me, so let, let's back that up. Let's, some people miss that. Let's have a look at the example of Moses. Let's look at the life of Moses, which combines God's presence, our inadequacy. That's got to be someone who feels inadequate. Who, who feels inadequate to go out in the community and be a witness and radiate Christ and maybe speak to someone about Jesus? Is that anyone? Do you feel a bit inadequate? Moses felt the same. Exodus 33, verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, he's got to lead these people, by the way. Anyway, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. It's like me, this is about me. Lord, you've told me to lead C3 Tugger. How am I going to do this? Help me. You know, and this is Moses. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let, let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. C3 Tugra is your people, Lord. 34:14. the Lord replied, my presence, Phil and Julie, will go with you and I will give you rest. So here's Moses. He's got a tough gig here. He's got to lead the people of God that are grumbling and moaning and they're bitching and anyway. And they've got the they've got the enemy coming at them. You know, they've got the enemy, and he knows, man. I, I'm not going to be able to cut this, God. I'm not going to be able to lead my connect group. I'm not going to be able to lead this church. I'm not going to be able to lead my friend to Jesus. Well, you can, you can, if you do what Moses did and ask God, I need you big time. I need you and I need your presence. God's response was, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. What a great assurance that you can go to the middle of Australia with the presence of God, with Haddon, and you're going to find rest. You're just going to be there. You're going to ministering to these beautiful indigenous people. And it's not going to be, you're not going to be tense. You're not going to be freaked out. You're going to do it in the rest of God. By the way, on the Sabbath, you're supposed to chill out. Try and put the books away if you're bookkeeping and try and lay down all that other stuff. Get to know your wife or your husband again. Yeah. Day of Sabbath is chilling out in God. You know, bring the boat in from the high seas of life. Pull up. Get down into the cabin with your book. Light a candle. Holy Spirit. That was when we were asked to go into the Wyoming High School in 96, uh, the, under the uh, diocese, the Catholic diocese, they gave us a kit, uh, had some, you know, had some study there, but it had candles, and I'm going, what are these candles for? And they eventually said to me and the team, about six, eight of us, they said, no, when you go into the class, light the candle in the classroom. First thing I'd said, man, I'm not lighting candles in a classroom, that's an O-N-H-N-S, that thing, man, they're going to... No, no, go in the class, light the candle. And I said, and what's that? That's the Holy Spirit. And um, well, we saw, yeah, well, that's not going to happen. And, but actually, we tend to light a few candles now, don't we? And uh, I enjoy the odd candle. So if you're looking for Christmas presents for Pastor Phil and Julie, we don't mind the odd candle anymore, amen? Scented too. <laughs> So let's keep it simple. Let's thank God that his presence goes with us. Amen. Let's thank him. Let's thank him. The other thing is the witness depends our witness. Moses is saying, if we go, how will they know that we are from you and what will distinguish us? The witness depends on his presence. 
When people come to this church, like this morning, we had visitors, and we had a mighty magnificent time this morning, did we not, church? The worship was outstanding. The place was pregnant with God. Really felt this beautiful, just the, just the presence of the glorious Spirit of God. It was celebration, but there was the power. There was this resting in God, and we were just kicking back in God. It was awesome. I hope those unsaved people were able to say, you know what, I went down to that house. Man, those guys are awesome. They're profound, man. I felt something. I, I, man, I don't know what they're talking about, but it was real, amen? It was awesome. You know, that's what I'm hoping will happen when visitors come. Exodus 33 verse, no, did I, no, Exodus 33, 15. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people and our connect group and our church from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So you can see here, Again, we see Moses' reluctance to move, to do anything unless the Lord is with him. He's not being stubborn. He just wants this reality check. God, I need you right beside me, with me, when I go to Haddon into the middle of Australia. How far away is it from the big rock, Haddon, that place? Man, that, that map was scaring me. How far? Only halfway across New South Wales. Yeah, I know it's big, man. Yeah, it's a great south land of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's, it's dusty plains and, uh, yeah, but how long does it take there to drive there? How long? Only seven and a half hours. That doesn't sound right, buddy. Are you having us on? You, you, that, that's seven and a half hours from, like, from here to Coffs Harbour, but out that way. Man, that's extraordinary. Yeah, that's amazing. So Moses was totally dependent upon the Lord. I will do the thing you've asked, he says, because I am pleased with you. That we may be distinguished from other peoples on the face of the... That is the crux, what I'm talking about here. God has always wanted a people that because of his presence in their life display and reflect his glory a living testimony to those in the world that God is. Amen? Now, hang on. You don't know what the glory is yet. I'm going to tease that out. Show me the money. No, I mean, show me the glory. Exodus 33, 18. I don't know where that came from. Sorry. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Let's just clarify that. He didn't say show me the money. And the Lord, the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in all your presence. I'll, let's back that up. The Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he, so he said, show me your glory, but hang on, can you see what's happening here? Show me your glory. Now, what do you imagine if you, if you were to say to God right now, show me your glory, what would you imagine to experience in that glory? This is what happened. Let's back it up. Verse 19. 
And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. He's showing his glory, guys. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. So he's getting a dose of mercy. He's getting a dose of goodness. And I will have compassion. Now he's getting compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me alive. It's amazing. So he wants to see the glory and he gets this, 34 verse six, Exodus 34 verse six. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Verse seven, maintaining, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. This is a great God we serve. This is an awesome deal right here. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Whoa, hang on, judgment, it's true. And I have to preach it because it's the whole counsel of God's word. There is judgment coming. Be on the right team, guys, please. Uh, he punishes the children and the children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation. I could tease that out, man, but I won't. But he, the glory is expressed to Moses, compassionate, gracious, abounding in love and faithfulness, yet just and righteous as well. In response to Moses' request to see God's glory, God spoke of his character. God's holy character radiates. In fact, if you look at the word and understand the Shekinah glory of God, it's a radiating, it's a manifested presence of God's character, God's glory, God's nature. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Who wants to shine, by the way, for Jesus like that? You gotta keep your eyes on Jesus. That's the key. The glory is seen from the rock. So what did he do? Tuck your way, let's look at it. Exodus 33, 21, nearly done, guys. Then the Lord said, this is how he's gonna do it. I'm gonna show you my glory. What you gotta do is do something for me. Gotta get yourself in a cleft of a rock, standing on a rock, but you're in the cleft of a rock, you're surrounded by a rock, and it sounds like this. Exodus 33, verse 21, then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. You're gonna, you're gonna beat me to the punch here, I know this. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in the rock. Now he's covered by a rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Because no one can actually stand before God's awesome, brilliant, magnificent glory. They'd just be burnt to asunder. <laughs> then I'll remove my hand and you'll see the my back, but my face must not be seen. The final point I want to draw your attention to is that Moses could see the glory of God only while he hid in the cleft of a rock. He had to stand on the rock. He had to stand in the rock to see the glory of God. The rock, of course, is, you got it, 1 Corinthians 10, 4 says, and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanies them. And that rock was Christ. We too have the hope of the glory, of the hope of glory. But like Moses, we need to be standing upon and dwelling in the rock of Christ. Amen. You're standing in and you're dwelling in the rock of Christ. Then you're going to see Christ. Amen. Then you're going to see the glory, I mean because you're in Christ. 
So guys, when you learn to realize and reckon yourself in Christ, that Christ is in you, that you're standing on the rock, that you're in the cleft of the rock of Christ, that you're in this place, then you can cast your gaze towards heaven. And in Christ, you can see the glory of the Lord. Conclusion, Galatians 1.28, He is the one we proclaim. This is about all the people that want to proclaim Garth and Jamie are not here. They're down at C3 Oxford Falls. They're celebrating 130 students graduating C3 Bible College. Garth and Jamie are down there celebrating with the C3 uh, Oxford Falls house. They're celebrating students that want to proclaim Christ. Amen. Where is, is Rachel here? She's already done that. Rachel, is, she's not well, but she's celebrating. She's done one year. I'm anticipating others to be going next year. I'm praying for Angus. Is he in the house tonight? Angus Balding, is he here? And he was here this morning. Man, he is on fire. Go, Angus. Colossians 1.28, he is the one whom we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That's my burden. I hope that's yours. In 29, it says, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy. Now, hang on, guys. Let's get a handle of this. To this end, all that we do as leaders, we're trying to proclaim and admonish teaching of Christ, the wisdom of the ages, the mystery of Christ, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're trying to teach that, admonish that, proclaim that. We're trying to instruct people by that. To this end, just like Haddon is going out to the middle of whoop whoop, he wants to proclaim the, the hidden mystery of Christ Christ in them, the hope of glory to those precious souls out there. Didn't you see the eyes? Didn't you see those young? Man, I fell in love with them straight up. Did you? Man, just precious souls that need Christ, that are in a tough situation of a dysfunctional home. Dads and mums not quite understanding the times that they're living in, not understanding their child's heart. We did a baby dedication here this morning. One of the prayers we prayed over, the uh, Jilly and Andrew. Thanks for turning up tonight, guys. You've had a big weekend, I know. Give it up for their, those guys. They're role models of parents, Jilly and Andrew. But we had Ra and Beck, and we had the little one, Amani. We dedicated them up on this stage. One of the prayers I prayed over them was that, Lord, give the parents wisdom, understand the heart, the profoundness, deep. The Bible says deep are the purposes of God in a man's heart. And it's, and it's God that reveals the purposes in our heart. And it's, if you've got good spirit-filled, born-again parents that love God, read their Bible, got the mind of Christ, they can pull out the best of their child. But if that poor parent doesn't understand their child, their dispositions, their giftedness, their purpose in God, man, they're going to be at ends with their child. And you see parents grow away from their children. It's the saddest day. Are you understanding what I'm saying? that your parents don't understand you. Now, that doesn't give you permission to have a go at your parents and say, you don't understand me because Pastor Phil said, because you're not saved, you don't ever understand me. No, don't do that. You want to love your parents through thick and thin. It's not their fault. They're in a predicament. You got to get them saved. Here it is again, 29. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy, all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. All this energy, Lord, is in me to display your glory. 
This energy in me, Lord God. Let's all stand. God bless you. We're done. Father in heaven, this energy is in me through your son, Jesus. This energy of your life and your character, you're in me, Jesus. You want, you want, you want to display your glory through me. What's your glory? It's your character. It's your nature. It's your goodness. It's your goodness. It's your goodness. It's your compassion. It's your grace. It's your mercy. It's your mercy. We need to get our priorities right. We need to show forth the glory of God. Let's thank the Lord for His presence in our heart right now. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.